0: you're listening to the archaeology podcast network what'd you bring it in i don't even know how to do it what do you say okay welcome back to the archaeology Show. (laughs) (laughs) you're listening to the archaeology show tas goes behind the headlines to bring you the real stories about archaeology and the history around us welcome to the podcast
1: Hello and welcome to The Archaeology Show, episode 226.
0: On today's show, we talk about giant hand axes, an Iron Age cremation, and prehistoric camel enamel.
1: Let's dig a little deeper into that canamel. (laughs) Welcome to The Archaeology Show. Hello. We're here in Pacific City, Oregon, where it's... Was a high of 66 today, which is kind of a heat wave for us this week. Yeah,
0: it is chilly here. And like, it's not sunny either. So I'm in long sleeves and I'm kind of happy about it. Oh, and I'm drinking tea. I feel very cozy. I'm very sorry to everybody else in the country right now. We've (laughs) been
1: climatologically canceled right now. So, (laughs) yeah, it's uh, for anybody not in the United States, it is a baking heat wave, breaking records all over the place. Like, Mm -hmm. I think Phoenix had over the whole weekend, they were sort of lows in the mid 90s.
0: Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Like, they, I think they had a, a streak of hitting 110, like many, many days in a row or something like that. Yeah. Just absolute ridiculousness.
1: Yeah. The 90s is but, uh, about 32 Celsius, by the way. That's 90 degrees.
0: Yeah. So, but you know what? We live in an RV for a reason. We chase this weather. We you. planned this. We did this on purpose because we did not want to be anywhere it might possibly be hot so I
1: know this worked out (laughs) you don't agree with me on this but a lot of people are like chasing 70 you know yeah I'm chasing like 62 no
0: no 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 Maybe we're definitely chasing like maybe 68 I'll give you 68 but probably 70 75
1: don't you like using like our heated floors and our fireplace I
0: do but I also love the sunshine Uh, and like nice days outside like we went wine tasting yesterday and even though it was in the
1: 90s, only
0: 90s, mid 90s, which was only an hour from here, which is crazy. Like yeah. The Oregon coast is crazy how cold it is. Just going across the mountains, yep. you get into the rest of the heat wave that the country is
1: experiencing. But, yeah, you go over the coastal range and it gets nuts. Yeah, yeah. so
0: like a 20 degree swing. It's crazy. But anyway, yeah, yeah, it's been lovely to be here and yeah. avoid the heat.
1: Really big temperature differences. Yes. So, you know what else is really big?
0: Oh, there it is. I was like, <laughs> wait, you already said that. Why are you saying that again?
1: Giant uh. hand axes.
0: Giant hand axes. Which,
1: to be fair, I didn't even know we a thing. Like, I've heard of a lot of hand axes in my life, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll talk about hand axes later, but yeah. the uh, giant hand axes are something that I didn't know was a category of hand axes. Right. right.
0: I did not know that either. it yeah. was new so, information.
1: All right. Well, let's get into this. This is another great article from Smithsonian Magazine, although mm-hmm. they, as they usually do, link to the actual journal article, mm-hmm. which is in our show notes.
0: Yeah, they're always so good about doing that. Yeah. I, love, I love their content.
1: So over 800 prehistoric artifacts have been excavated in Kent, England. Two of them are being called giant hand axes, and researchers believe that they're over 300,000 years old. So,
0: very old giant hand yeah, axes. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: This project is actually being done as a CRM project, which yeah. I really like. They mm-hmm. they do I mean, I would say a lot of archaeology happens in England as a result of CRM, only because it's a I mean, it's a rel- relatively densely populated island, I'm going to mm-hmm. call it that. <laughs> Landmass. <laughs>
0: it's an island for sure, yeah. but it's densely populated with both people and also sites. Yeah, because it's been populated for so well, long, so there's so much to find there. And this is
1: why anytime you want to like build something, their laws take over, and you have to do a, a cultural resource yeah. assessment. So, yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah,
1: they're building a new maritime academy apparently okay. near Kent. That's why they're doing this. Mm-hmm. So big archaeology, CRM archaeology project. The Artifacts are actually thought to date, date to an interglacial period between 300,000 and 330,000 years ago. Okay. Now, let me put that into context for people that might not know what the hell I'm talking about interglacial. But I thought the ice age ended, you know, 15 to 20,000 years ago, right? It did, but there's been lots of ice ages yeah,
0: over and over again. I mean, every
1: 25, 30, 40,000 years, there's an ice age, mm-hmm. you know, and there's Look up Milankovitch cycles. It's it's the whole thing where the Earth bobs up and down in the solar system, and mm-hmm. the solar system actually bobs up and down in the uh, galaxy mm-hmm. as it spins around the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes twenty six thousand years or something like that for the for the solar system to rotate around the galaxy. Yep. And people think that. That might be what's causing some of these slight climatic variations that cause ice ages. So, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not really a scientist on that kind of stuff. I have heard some things about that, but that's one of the reasons. So, there have been lots of ice ages that our human ancestors have had to live through. Mm -hmm. And so, so this
0: is just in between two of the ice ages that happened. You know, back then.
1: We're in an interglacial right now.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: we're not in an ice age by any means.
0: I don't know that it's going to go back towards an ice age anytime soon. Oh, well, there have been heat waves
1: too. (laughs) Yeah. Like there have been very warm periods of the earth. Now, of Mm -hmm. course, uh, this isn't a climate talk, but of course, one of the big differences right now that. Might make you correct is that we have rapidly accelerated the heating of the Earth over the last couple hundred years. Right, right. So we don't really know what kind of an effect that's going to have long term. Yeah, yeah. It might not swing back. It might we, not if we make yeah. it go too high. Mm-hmm. Look at Venus. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there were certainly Neanderthals living there at the time, but there could have been other archaic human species around okay. as well. Yeah, yeah. According to the University College London researchers are the ones who did this actual excavation.
0: Yeah, because we do have some overlap between. You know, homo sapiens, archaic homo sapiens, yeah. basically. And then Neanderthals. And were Denisovans in this area as well? I know time frame-wise they overlap. I don't know if they geographically overlap here, I don't though. think
1: geographically they Not made geographically. it that far. Okay. Yeah. So but there could be... Was it... Homo antecessor or Homo erectus. Oh,
0: sure. Okay. Could have
1: been, I mean, 300,000 years ago. Yeah. You know, you're getting back into the time frame where there's a lot of overlap. So a lot of overlap, yeah. Maybe we should go back and listen to our paleoanthropology episode. I know. I'm like yeah. already
0: forgetting, but, but there's so many different ones to remember yeah. and they branch in so many different directions. So. Well, and of
1: course, we were talking in general terms on that series yeah. and this is like what happened in England.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know? totally. And, yep. and
1: during an ice age... England wasn't an island. Right. You know, the the water sucks out of the English Channel and ends up in glaciers Mm -hmm. and at the poles, and you can walk from France to England, Mm -hmm. and, and probably in some other areas, too, but I know for a fact you can walk from France to England. Yep. So, anyway... Like I said, they said you know there's uh, Neanderthals and possibly other archaic human species. They know mm-hmm. there's Neanderthals in the area, mm-hmm. uh, but there's no fossil remains of any hominid or you know bones or anything like that of uh, hominid remains and at the site.
0: At a site this old, really the only thing you could hope for is fossilized remains to give you an yeah. idea of what group of of humans or human type yeah. people <laughs> created these hand axes
1: yeah and check out the sketchfab video i'm only calling it a video because it has like a play button mm-hmm. but it really is a sketchfab is a 3d modeling it's website really cool. where you can drop in 3d models and then share them out and that's mm-hmm. what they've done as an embeddable 3d model and when you click on it it'll load the model and then you can actually rotate around the hand axe yeah. zoom in and out it's it's a really well done it's really um, cool yeah it's pretty cool it's,
0: and it's such it's so amazing what they can do with the technology these days because you feel like you're really looking at it when you look at that model. It's, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Like in person. You really, you're really you really looking at it in person.
1: Yeah. It, it's yeah. really neat. Yeah. So hand axe is a tool that was used across Europe for several hundred thousand years and, mm-hmm. and actually a lot longer than that. Mm-hmm. The giant hand axe is, you know, something that's a little bit later. But, but the hand axes themselves, generally, as they're called, I mean, they go back well over a million years. Mm-hmm. We'll mention that a little bit later. It's just what it sounds like, as far as what that means. It's a, an axe that you hold in your hand. It's got a teardrop shape. Mm-hmm. It's been shaped to a point, and you're intended to grab it with your hands and swing down in like a like a chopping motion. Yeah. Right? So like
0: the the wider end, that's sort of the the bulbous end of the teardrop. Yeah. You would grab that end, and then you can like stabby, stabby, stabby. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly.
1: The <laughs> giant yeah. hand axes apparently are more than 22 centimeters long, which is mm-hmm. 8.7 inches. Mm-hmm. So 22 centimeters, you can tell that. It's not an even eight, it's not even inch, which Mm -hmm. means this whole thing came up in Europe, of course, because we don't have hand axes over here in the United States. Yeah. Um, We have. Probably some relatively similar things as far yeah. as chopping tools and things like that goes, mm-hmm. but we don't actually have hand axes right. in the in the way that they do in Europe and Asia, actually. So, 22 centimeters long. Now, one of the ones discovered at this site, there was only three of the 800 artifacts uh, were giant hand axes. Okay. There were probably other hand axes, but they didn't they mention that. They weren't giant. They weren't giant. Right. Yeah. But one of the ones discovered was 29.6 centimeters or 11.7 inches long. Oh, wow. So,
0: so like, almost a foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a full
1: three inches longer than like what makes it a giant Mm -hmm. hand axe. So it's actually the third largest one found in Britain, Hmm. which is pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. No one can really figure out or has any good ideas on why you would make a hand axe that big. Mm
0: -hmm. So yeah, I imagine that something that big is like, like how do you use it? It's mm -hmm. too big. It's too big to hold in your hand. It's unwieldy. Yeah. 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 You wouldn't have any control over what you're doing with it. And that kind of takes away the point of using a tool. Mm -hmm. If you don't have any control of what you're doing. So, yeah, but weird. W-
1: but what do you think the UCL team thinks it could have been used for?
0: Um
1: well, I'm uh. drinking tea,
0: so I'm going to take a drink. <laughs> ritual!
1: <laughs> yep, coffee. Um, so they said symbolic functions. They didn't yeah. actually say the word ritual when mm-hmm. I put that in there. Because yeah. symbolic functions is really just kind of a word for ritual.
0: Fancy word for ritual, for but sure. <laughs> kind of.
1: They also said, as far as uh, symbology goes, mm-hmm. like, they could have been used for it as a demonstration of strength and skill. Oh. Like, look at the big hand axe I made. It's yeah. bigger than yours, therefore I'm the king.
0: Kind of like how Highlanders throw like tree trunks and stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> (laughs) Like, that doesn't really serve a purpose except to show, like, how strong you are or how amazing you are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And and as I said before, they don't know if it's Neanderthals or another species of archaic humans that made them. But Neanderthals, we know, have existed in Europe and Asia from around 400,000 years ago, give or take, to Mm -hmm. about 40,000 years Mm -hmm. ago when they were basically replaced by modern Homo sapiens. Right. Thousands of Neanderthal hand axes axes have been found in the region where the current ones were found, not just like in Britain, just like where the current ones were found. Right. Like Like thousands. Like like very
0: specific to that region. So we know that they were... Making them there and using them there Yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and Neanderthals of course You know it's still sort of a slang word For you're an idiot I know (laughs) we're we're
0: working so hard to change That perception (laughs) because Neanderthals are so much more Than the popular culture would Have you think they were I know
1: they're portrayed As like dumb cave people and Now we're seeing you know through Repeated evidence through time Mm -hmm. that They conducted rituals even buried their Dead in some Mm -hmm. cases made art art. Yeah Yeah, developed complex tools and uh, And more Uh, in more advanced things um, that history has given them credit for.
0: Yeah. Neanderthals are my favorite, like, like, sideline species, right? Like, they, they've always been pushed over in a way. Oh, they're not part of humans. Oh, they weren't as good at doing things as our human ancestors were. They were just these guys over here that lived for a little while in caves, and now they're gone. But, like, they contributed genetic material to Homo yeah. sapiens, probably, or definitely. And, yeah, they they had so much more going on than than science originally wanted to give them credit mm-hmm. for. So the evolution of our ideas of what they were is, is right.
1: great. Now... Neanderthals just go into their their advanced credit. Mm-hmm. They actually invented what's called the Lavaux technique, okay. and Lavois is a, I think it was a neighborhood in Paris or something like that where mm. the first one of these was found, mm-hmm. and that's what it was named after. Um, but that was around three hundred thousand years ago, and it's basically it's this whole thing. It's the process of. Shaping a stone into a portable core that they could later shape into sharp stone tools. So what does that mean? Well, first off, the Lavawa Flake, what it looked like was a nice, thin, predictably shaped tool that demonstrated that they had the ability for Mm -hmm. abstract thought, which means they could look at this rock, know what they were trying to make, Mm -hmm. and then make that thing.
0: And this was kind of like creating something to turn into something later on, depending on what they needed it to do, right? Sort
1: of. Yeah. Um, because they could make the core, actually, the core. Yeah. They'd take flakes out and then just take that with them.
0: Yeah. And, and then, then finish it up later based on yeah, what they needed.
1: But they could get lots of things off this core if it was big enough. Oh, so, like
0: take a big flake off of it and then use that to do something. Well, that's the
1: lava off like uh, right? Okay. So they would yeah, take this yeah. core and they would start flaking around the edges of it. They'd make a striking platform mm-hmm. on top, like a flat platform. Mm-hmm. And then they would You know, basically flake it with rough percussion flaking Mm -hmm. around the edges, and it was called like the turtle dome. That's what archaeologists call it because it kind of looks like a turtle shell. Yeah. And then when they're ready, you know, when they're when they're ready to do this, they basically just hit the striking platform in a certain way with a certain strength, and it just busts off this flake that has this distinctive what they call plano-convex profile, where it's just kind of a kind of a a little bit of a a arc to it, and it's totally flaked on one side, not flaked on the other side because it is a big flake. And then they just spend a little bit of time sharpening up the edges and, and doing whatever they're going to do to it, whatever they're going to make out of it. Cool. And that's the lava Flake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. It gave them better control over the final size of the flake and, and mm-hmm. how many they could make. Yeah. you Because know? like I said, a single core, depending on the size of it, you could probably get a few of those off of there. Right, right. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you take them around the edges. Mm-hmm. You might even be able to make something out of that core by the time you're done. So mm-hmm. um, that technique largely replaced the Acheleian technology that lasted for over 1.5 million years and produced smaller oval and pear-shaped hand axes. So like I said, the hand axe has been around for mm-hmm. a long time, well yeah. over a million years. The Lavois technique tended to kind of replace that. And then they were making, you know, apparently giant hand axes eventually too.
0: Yeah, so the giant hand axe seems to be more in the Ashalean tradition as opposed to the level up.
1: Yeah, probably? Yeah, they're not really related from yeah, what I can tell, although yeah. you could probably make a, a hand axe out of a lava waffle if it's big enough. Oh,
0: sure. And there's so much crossover between these populations, so yeah. there's no reason to think that Neanderthals weren't doing this Ashlian thing and, and vice versa. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. But that is really interesting because it is sort of maybe evidence that it was from a homo sapien group rather right. than a neanderthal group i guess that's probably why they said that in the beginning that it could be an archaic yeah. human group too so but the more interesting thing to me is is why like yeah. why could it have been some kind of competition or game where they were like who right. can make the biggest axe? <laughs> you know even though they never were going to use it
1: well i mean it's crazy like they said it could have been some sort of symbolic nature like yeah. that like like I said, I made the biggest one. I could basically stab you in the skull with this. Therefore, I'm the mm-hmm. king. And, and I'm going to rule you now. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah.
0: Well, we can also quickly dispel one thing that you might or might not have heard at some point on Ancient Aliens. It's not for giants. We know that.
1: Are you sure? Redhead, <laughs> red-headed giants? <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I feel very strongly that it's not for giants. But as a scientist, I'll keep an open mind. But my mind is not that open to
1: it Right.
0: <laughs> need a lot more evidence to become really open to that <laughs> right. so yeah
1: well it just goes to show that the Neanderthals were pretty advanced more advanced yes. than we give them credit for Yeah. and like I said they did burials but they didn't necessarily do cremations that took a little while later to happen and we'll uh-huh. talk about that on the other side of the break
2: everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or Mc Crispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks, then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba da ba ba ba.
1: Welcome back to the Archaeology Show, episode 226, segment two. And now we're going to talk about early Iron Age cremation burial that contains bronze jewelry and rare textile fragments found in Austria.
0: Yes. And this article is one that I found. I got very excited about it because of the textile piece, because I love fabric. (laughs) I love making fabric and sewing fabric and knitting and all things fabric related. In fact, I have a Google search for textile and archaeology together, which is how this article you know, popped up for me.
1: And see, to me saying I love fabric is like saying I love banana peels. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? I don't know exactly. Right.
0: <laughs> you make no sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, the history of textiles and clothing and the way that people use anything that you could make with a textile is just so interesting to me. So, yeah. and this is just another aspect of it, but it's a pretty old one. So the Vienna National History Museum has found a cremation burial with bronze jewelry and textile fragments, and it dates to an early Iron Age cemetery. In it's approximately eight hundred to five hundred BCE, so that's you know twenty five hundred, twenty eight hundred ish yeah. years ago. Pretty long time. Yeah. It's located in Hallstatt, Austria. And Hallstatt is an area that is known for salt production, and that is all the way back into prehistoric times. It's an area that has been known and used for that for a really, really long time. So it makes sense that they have this large occupation in this area.
1: Man, I'd like to know more about salt production, to be honest with you. I know. Austria's got like a lot of mountains and stuff. Yeah. I know it's not all mountainous, but it does definitely has a lot of mountains. Mm-hmm. And I always think of salt production as...
0: Like a coastal thing? Well...
1: Kind of, if you're looking at it from like a saltwater standpoint, mm-hmm. but also like the salt flats in Nevada oh, and true. Yeah. Utah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, this just the, the accumulation of salty water and then drying up and then, you know, mm-hmm. water and then drying up and then just you get these layers of salt mm-hmm. that people actually use for salt. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. I honestly didn't. Look into why it was or how, what geologically made mm-hmm. it an area that was used for salt production. But that is what this article said. So, and by the way, this article is from a publication called Archeo News, and that's Archeo with a K. And I couldn't find out quite too much about this publication, except it seems that it originates in Turkey because it seems mm. like Turkey is our main focus, yeah. but it's some pretty well written articles and everything looks very archeology span focused and a really cool website. So definitely a, a neat place to click around and just, you know, learn about this kind of stuff.
1: So I saw that this site contained over a thousand graves and and, uh, lots of grave goods. And it was discovered in 1863. Yeah. Why are they talking about it now?
0: Yeah. So... This site was, like, really excavated in the the 1800s. Like, they basically... I mean, I don't want to say that they were grave robbers back then, (laughs) but they definitely cared a lot more about the artifacts and the grave goods. Yeah. And not as much about the burials, especially because these were mostly cremation burials, which means they didn't have a whole lot of bones associated with them anyway. So back in the day, like, the gentleman archaeologists, they really were just more interested in the artifacts. and And they... Did find a thousand graves over a thousand graves, but they didn't really record much about the grave shape or the construction or any of the other things that you might be interested in noting from an archaeological standpoint or context standpoint about these graves.
1: Well, this is 1863, the science yeah. of you know, accurate stratigraphy and recording and archaeology didn't really start to I mean, come into play until really the late eighteen hundreds. Yeah. And then started picking up in the nineteen hundreds. But even then there was definitely people still doing things the old way.
0: Yeah, and it was an archaeology of things back then rather than an archaeology of people. It was I don't even know that I fault them for it that much because it was a brand new science at the time and they they just hadn't quite figured out how to connect the things that they were finding with the people that put them there, who they were, why they did it, and like create that bigger picture that that archaeologists are interested in creating today. So, fortunately, they missed some of the burials, which is why <laughs> the scientists today are going back to this area and they're using new technology, modern technology, to find the graves that they missed, basically. Yeah. And this one in particular that they're talking about is particularly well preserved. So, they got really lucky that it was missed the first time around, and they're also doubly lucky that it happens to be very, very well preserved.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There were there are several pieces of bronze jewelry including a ribbed arm ring which is the feature photo in the article definitely check it out it looks really cool like it's not like when you hear ribbed arm ring, I don't know what is in your head Im- immediately, but this looks almost more like like a like a shell kind of. Yeah, you know, it's it does. it's really cool looking. So there's that, and then there's also several wire discs that yeah. are pretty thin. There's a blade with traces of a wooden handle and a belt fitting, among other
1: things. There's a picture of a bronze spiral.
0: That's the disc. That's yeah. the disc. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm
1: curious about that because. I mean, this looks like a spring.
0: It does. A coiled spring. Yes, it actually. Yeah, it does. Well, we'll get to that in a second, because that is kind of the interesting thing. Yeah. So everything was densely packed in the grave. And there's also bone remnants in there, too. You can actually see like the end of a long bone in the picture. There's like a picture of all the goods packed in together. And Mm -hmm. it kind of looks like a humorous to me, but I don't think it's human. It's hard to tell in the picture. It's probably not human, though.
1: Yeah, it's there no were, laughing matter, that's for sure. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh, you're terrible. <laughs> but there were animal bones in the grave. So it, it could be that this is an animal long bone. And I mean, it's a cremation grave. So like there's probably not that much left of the actual yeah. like person yeah. that was buried here. So it probably is animal. But okay, so once they separated all, out all of these artifacts and started studying them individually, these spiral disks that you noted looks a little bit like a spring. What they found is that there are traces of textile Hmm. on the underside of it like stuck to it and this is an interesting conclusion that they've come to and i would love to see more evidence about this but the researchers say that this is the first evidence that the cremated remains were placed in a textile pouch for burial
1: Wait a minute. So they burned the bodies and then took the remains and put them in a pouch. Yes. How did they separate the bodies from whatever they burned them? Oh, I'm
0: sure it's lots and lots of ash from whatever they burned it into. I mean, that's how big pouch. Well, that's kind of how cremated remains are today, too, right? Like you get some whatever is in there to burn it is also part of it.
1: Well, no, because they use like gas. So oh, you're, you're yeah, in a sterile true. chamber and probably the only other thing that's in there is other people's ashes. Yeah. You know, I don't know how well they clean them out just from a ethical yeah. standpoint, but right. I'm guessing pretty well is what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And uh, unless we're talking like a, you know, a New Orleans burial box where, you know, <laughs> they fall on top of just each other on top of each other. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. But th- so what they're saying is because this fabric was found on the underside of the spiral, that the spirals were placed on top of this pouch, this textile Mm. pouch that would have contained the remains. And one thing that was unclear to me was, were the grave goods inside this textile pouch with the remains or were they just around the pouch? There's not as much information about, about that. So I don't know for sure. Well, and also the other thing that could have happened is the spiral could have settled to the bottom of the pouch. Or maybe the spirals were put into the pouch first and the remains were put in after that. So I guess setting it on top of the pouch, they probably think that because of the way that they're arranged in the grave, Mm -hmm. they've got some stratigraphy saying that. It's hard to say, though. It sounds like there needs to be more studies and more grace found like this for them to really get a good idea of how these different pieces were used. But
1: I'll tell you one thing people need to do is they need to have better scales in their photos because (laughs) the scale in this photo says 10 centimeters on one of the squares. And Uh I'm like, is that square 10 centimeters and this whole thing's a meter? Or is that saying the entire scale is 10 centimeters? Well, the
0: the entire thing, because there's that armband there. So given that context... Yeah. Because the armband would be pretty small, so it's probably... Well, I'm just
1: seeing the... I'm just looking at the spiral here, though. Yeah. Yeah, by itself.
0: Oh, I see. Okay, I was looking at the one below yeah, it. Yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So, that is kind of confusing, actually. I mean, I'm pretty
1: sure that that means the whole scale is 10 centimeters. Yeah, I think so. But the simple fact that I'm questioning it means do better. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and that's... Yeah, about 10 centimeters would be about right to be kind of like a weight to put on top of something if, yeah. if it's some kind of like holding it down part of the ritual of the burial or something
1: like that Well, and if it if it really is kind of a well it's a spiral i mean and it's all coiled on itself Mm -hmm. so maybe that was the the act of burying it did that or something like that because i was thinking if it were in some kind of pouch you could actually shove the fabric up through the middle of it and the spiral could be used as like a closure oh it could totally but that wouldn't have brought itself back to this shape after time, no, it I wouldn't. wouldn't think. No, it wouldn't. So have. it went in like that.
0: It could have been like a napkin holder, though. You know, where it's got a, yeah. a thing on top of it, and then there's a ring on the backside that it passes through but sure
1: but it clearly went in like this because like I said if it were were stretched out at all it wouldn't have gone back to this shape as things disintegrated around it. yeah
0: and they definitely found the fabric on the back side of it like it was either set on top of it or it was inside it and it settled Mm -hmm. onto the fabric itself yeah either way that spiral settling on top of the textile is what preserved it so that they can now do more research on that and what the fabric was like from you know 2500 Mm -hmm. years ago so that'll be something that should come out in the future because they they just found that there was fabric attached to it they haven't studied it further so, oh,
1: man yeah. we need to take a break because i'm really thirsty do you have <laughs> another bullet point
0: <laughs> wow okay so really quick <laughs> the animal bones and some of the metal objects too they appear to be purposely broken really? as if they were um a ritual offering perhaps Uh, come on it's a burial you gotta have rituals with burial I guess I'll give you that one (laughs) and so anyway all of this together we've got you know, potential cremation in a bag with the spirals on top and then these broken bones and metal objects around it. All of it together, they're saying represents a new Iron Age burial practice that is distinctive to the Hallstatt culture, which is in this salt production region. So, yeah, yeah. I think all that does seem pretty good evidence of it. And hopefully they'll find more burials like this to really, you know, solidify that idea. Because I think it is still so hard to like come up with a whole thing off of one burial, you know, (laughs) Right, but... This could just be the initial release or just a press release like, oh, those are some pretty good photos. They do seem pretty museum quality there. But yeah, they definitely
1: clean that up a little bit. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. Now Mm -hmm. we're going to go from there over to basically our own backyard, geographically Mm -hmm. speaking, and talk about some of the uh, oldest human occupied sites in North America and the site that just really the area, I guess I should say, that just keeps on giving Mm -hmm. back in a minute.
0: Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching.
1: Oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof.
0: Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.
2: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Sandwich. But you're the Filet-O-Fish Sandwich all day.
1: That's right. (laughs) So we are going to go over to Oregon, like we said, and we're in Oregon, but this is in eastern Oregon Mm -hmm. over in the high desert part of Oregon. That looks a lot like Nevada.
0: It really does. Yeah. Yeah. This site is in Riley, Oregon, and I was like, I've never even heard of Riley, Oregon. So I had to look (laughs) it up on the map, and it's literally like as center of central Oregon as you can get. I think there was like an archery And store, and that was like the the town. Like that was it. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. sounds good. Very small place.
1: Yeah, this place that we're gonna talk about is called Rimrock Draw Rock Shelter, and the landscape. If you just look at the picture again, it looks just like Nevada. There's sagebrush, there's rocks, you know, volcanic rock, Mm -hmm. and uh, just a real high desert type of environment, like we're used to seeing in Nevada, and even parts of Utah and Idaho. That whole area, Mm -hmm. you know, that's still considered. I think part of the Great Basin, but I don't know if it's part of the basin itself. Yeah,
0: going it might up be. To Oregon. I'm, yeah. It does extend Honestly, into Oregon a little bit, I think. Yeah, it but, definitely
1: does. Yeah. But I don't know if it extends all the way up to here. Yeah. So yeah. But, but the it, environment's the same.
0: In and checking out the picture too, it's I mean, I found a couple of rock shelters in my time doing archeology span in Nevada and they're mm-hmm. usually like on the, on steep like hillsides, right? Yeah. And this is doesn't I don't know if it's perspective or what but it does not look very steep. It looks like it's sort of this unassuming little like rock outcrop on a right. sort of gently undulating landscape. It's just not where I would expect a rock shelter of such significance to be. I guess is what I'm getting at here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy that it it is. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this was actually a field school being run by the University of Oregon's Museum of Natural and Cultural History. And they've been doing it there since 2011 in partnership with the BLM Mm because it's on BLM land. And the person who's kind of running this thing, Patrick O'Grady, actually... I don't think I've ever actually met him, Mm -hmm. but I know him through the internet, like we're friends on Facebook and stuff. So I messaged him and there's a good chance we're going to try to set up an interview for later when they're actually at their field school. Now he's like, um, can we do this in a few weeks when I get out (laughs) of field school? I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, dude, calm down. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's really cool too, that he's ready to talk about it and we'll get to why in a minute, but there's, it's been a very slow process because they're very meticulous with the, the science of the site and they don't want to jump ahead of anything or release anything before they're ready to. So this release that we're talking about right now is like the culmination of more than 10 mm-hmm. years of work that they've been doing on the site. So it's it's really cool. Yeah. So in the first couple of years, a tooth enamel fragment from an extinct camel species was found buried under a layer of volcanic ash that they knew was from a Mount St. Helens eruption. Pause. Uh-huh
1: camels in the in north america right you know how i know that there are camels here or there <laughs> were because we literally saw we camels in pacific city just the we other did. day
0: we were just like sitting in a coffee shop and all of a sudden some camels were like walking down the street <laughs> we We're like, what is going on this place is so weird
1: yeah apparently they didn't have anything on them like they were just camels people no. were walking them yeah. but the second time we saw them they were walking back from the beach and they were decked out with like I don't know. I'm going to just say like Bedouin like, style. Like saddles. Middle
0: Eastern yeah. like riding saddles. Yeah. yeah. And there's a sand dune that <laughs> out that way that you can hike on. So I'm sure that they were doing something with the right. sand dune. Probably some yeah. cultural appropriation, whatever. You just have to but go with it.
1: <laughs> the cool thing is camels like horses used to be here. There yeah. was a kind of horse here. There was camels here, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And there those all slots. died out. Yeah. For various reasons that w- that are a whole other episode and series on its own. Yeah. But the we brought horses back. You yeah. know, the Spanish I think did, yes. a- and then we just never brought camels back for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I guess it's most of this country is not really has, hospitable. Ah, to camels, they'd be I don't okay. Think. Um, yeah, they'd probably find. I
1: mean, they're designed to like you know live in desert environments, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they'd be like, "Hey, there's an abundance of water here. I don't have to store it all." <laughs> right. So, you know. Yeah. Anyway, one of the cool things, like you said, under the volcanic ash. I just love volcanic ash yeah.
0: because it is worked, so datable, right? Well, yeah,
1: and when I worked in well, worked I did a field school. In Africa, that I've mm-hmm. talked about before, that was the only way we were able to date stuff, is because you have the the basalt layers and mm-hmm. use potassium argon dating, which is the decay of potassium atoms into argon. Basically, mm-hmm. you know that that decay rate and blah blah blah. You can you can date those mm-hmm. layers. Well, I'm not sure what method they're using to date the ash here. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be something similar, although that's not quite old enough to use yeah, potassium argon dating. It's um,
0: much newer. Yeah.
1: yeah, potassium argon is like. On the scale of hundreds of thousands of yeah. years Right so but this was dated to About 15,000 years mm-hmm. ago which Means the fragments of the camel tooth Mammal were at least that old that's how That's how that kind of dating works it's yeah. relative dating Yeah if we found another layer below That that we could date we could say well it's between These two mm-hmm. and if we can look At the stratigraphy and say well it looks relatively Undisturbed mm-hmm. we might even start to Get to say like where within that range mm-hmm. It is if we get more confident
0: yeah like Like when you have a really solid date you usually Have a combination of some kind of of you know chemical dating or not chemical yeah. Is chemical the right word Nah. like dating like carbon dating or something like that yeah, you have yeah. that combined with relative dating that's
1: radiometric dating
0: yeah there you go <laughs> i'm
1: smart anyway
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you have the combination of those two different types of dating and that's what gives you like a really solid date yeah so on this site they already knew that this camel enamel Camel tooth enamel was older (laughs) older than 15,000 years ago because of this volcanic ash. But they were able to also radiocarbon date the camel fragments. So, camel fragments. That's a bad note on my part. It's not (laughs) fragments of camel. I I guess it is. It is camel fragments. It is camel enamel fragments. You're not wrong. I guess not.
1: (laughs) They are canamel fragments. (laughs) Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) we're not even drinking yet. No. But anyway, so they did send those send those out to be radiocarbon dated and it came they came back with a date of 18,250 years old and that was in 2018.
1: And so I, great. I love that because there are haters out there that are just like, "Oh, carbon dating is flawed, <laughs> but like we dated through independent methods the ash to 15,000 mm-hmm. years." We yeah. know that that's true. Yeah independently dated then and then you get a correlating date that's before that because it was under the ash that's older. Yeah. That's the that's
0: it's, it's the perfect. law of superposition. It, it is like the perfect combination of relative and carbon dating. Oh, it's perfect. But yeah. But these guys, out of an abundance of caution, didn't want to just take that for granted because, you know, radiocarbon dating does have its issues. So we'll get to that in a second. But they do have a reason to send it out for more dating at some point. So, so underneath this camel tooth, they found orange agate tools that were unquestionably made by humans. That's cool. And that are apparently splattered with blood residue from extinct mammals.
1: And you know what happens with mammals? Camels,
0: Cam- camels,
1: <laughs> those poor bastards.
0: So, do you think they were murdering camels with their I think this was a, a camel murder it's a site. Camel murder site. <laughs> 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 maybe, maybe uh, the guy that you know can shed some light on that for us. Yes, maybe, <laughs> Mister O'Grady. I'm
1: sure, sure Doctor O'Grady. Doctor
0: O'Grady. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, so here, so let's just like recap here. We've got volcanic ash <laughs> at fifteen thousand years. Then we've got below that at eighteen thousand two hundred and fifty years. We have the camel enamel. And then below that we have these tools that are unquestionably made by humans that also have blood splatter on them. So that is really cool and really great. There are no photos of the tools in the article. And so there's no more information about how they know for sure that they are human-made tools Or how they know that there's blood residue on them. This is just a press release. It's just an initial discovery situation. So they're not yet releasing information about the tools themselves. Just that they
1: exist. Yeah. I mean, this is really just a press release. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm
0: completely okay with. But I am super interested to hear what the rest of the academic community has to say about the tools. Because as you know, with some of these really old sites, the problem that comes in is when the tools are are a little bit suspect, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying these tools are like that at all. I'm 100% not saying that. I haven't seen the tools. I don't know anything about the tools. But I will be very interested in the opinion of the rest of the academic community when the tool analysis does come in. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's pretty neat. I'm I'm actually looking at uh, Dr. O'Grady's Facebook page right now. Oh,
0: okay. And
1: he's got some pretty cool (laughs) stuff showing the some of the camel fragments, and uh, actually one of the agate scrapers is on there.
0: Okay, how does it look? Yeah,
1: yeah, and I'll I'll show Rachel, but you guys can't see it. Yeah, that's definitely a scraper. Oh yeah,
0: that is like
1: here. I'll do some really bad YouTubing (laughs) right now for the YouTube audience. Anyway, um, And
0: that's that's shared from a page, so it looks like you can go to oh, the yeah. page and look at it yourself. That we, is the
1: Museum of Natural and Cultural History, so go yeah, check that we'll, out on Facebook.
0: Grab that link, and we'll put it in the notes so that we yeah. can share it, too. Yeah, but we'll that. yeah, that is pretty unquestionably yeah. uh, made by human That's tool. That You're not going to argue with that, for no, sure. No, that's think.
1: definitely a scraper. Yeah, that's yeah. so that's
0: really cool. That is, makes me even more excited about the conclusion. Yeah. So these guys, out of an abundance of caution, of course, they were really, really... Interested in having two dates to confirm the camel dating, the camel tooth date, mm-hmm. because that's the clincher here, right? Like they know the volcanic ash is fifteen thousand years, but if they can't get that camel date to be good, then all they can say about these tools is that they're older than fifteen thousand years. Yeah. But that camel date is good at eighteen thousand two hundred and fifty. Then they can say the tools are at least eighteen thousand two hundred and fifty years old, which makes it. <laughs> Crazy old,
1: right? I mean, for human stuff, just being pre 15,000 years, there's very few sites that are dating to that old.
0: But there are more and more, right? So when you go back past that, that's where you're starting to get into like the oldest sites. Yeah. So, anyway, so what they did is they sent that camel tooth the same tooth a piece of the same tooth out for testing again and the results recently came back which is why this publication or this press mm-hmm. release is coming out now the results recently came back and they're just like a smidge older than what that initial date said so
1: it's, it's like still in the ring yes confirmation yeah. <laughs> nice
0: <laughs> yeah so when you have two dates saying the same thing then you can really start to trust it at that point plus all the relative dating as well what that means is that we are talking about one of the oldest sites in Western North America. So,
1: yes. yeah. And these areas that we're talking about, this high desert environment is just so dry and has been dry for mm-hmm. a really long time. I mean, it probably wasn't as dry back in the day when we're talking about mm-hmm. here, cause that was the end of the ice age. Yeah. There was still lakes around yep. paleo Lake Lahontan was pretty much taking up the whole area. Yes, this true. is probably beachfront property. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, totally. You know, anytime you see little undulations and stuff, if there's a high spot, that could have been an island. It could mm-hmm. have been, you know, just an, an outcropping of land or something or a peninsula. But either way, in Idaho, not too far away actually, is Cooper's Ferry, which is another very, very famous mm-hmm. uh, paleo human site. Yeah. And it's uh, dates to around uh, more than 16,000 years. Yeah. So, and this would push that back.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's crazy that they're going to be able to push back the some you know the oldest known occupation for Mm -hmm. sure occupation in this part of the world in in this part of North America to by more than 2,000
1: years it's great and the thing that I know I've said before if you've got people here that are just like yeah, what's up, camels? We know how to take you down. Or they're riding them. They weren't riding them. But, you know, I like to think that. Camels seem like they're pretty chill. I'd be like, you know, you probably could have ridden them.
0: Yeah, maybe. But, uh, do they they do spit. S- unless they spit like alpacas do. Yeah,
1: well, according to Aladdin, camels, <laughs> camels do actually do, oh, spit. Oh, well, you should yeah. get all of
0: your knowledge of Middle Eastern yes, from mammals Disney. from Disney and yeah. Aladdin specifically. That's yeah. a great plan. Yeah, yeah. No, well, everything I know that. from mm-hmm.
1: about mermaids comes from that and the Netflix documentary. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my God. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so anyway, the, the point is, if these people are established, they're living in a cave or a rock shelter, and they're just like making tools, which mm-hmm. means they knew where to get that material. They're not tourists. No, they didn't come no. here just to do that. Yeah. Even if they did something wacky like arrived onto the Oregon coast in a boat, right? Which we know they didn't. <laughs> we know Unless that they that came down the shoreline, um,
2: you know, yeah. which is another theory.
1: But yeah. but still, that would have taken forever. But yeah. unless they just showed up in a sailboat and then walked to the high desert. These guys have to have been here for hundreds of years, yeah. If not thousands, yeah. They more than likely, thousands. They didn't just
0: show up with that technology, knowing what to do. No. they, and it, yeah. And
1: it couldn't have been this generation either. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it was a relatively recent arrival, let's say with these are the first Americans, mm-hmm. you know, so, so to speak, <laughs> the first Native Americans, really.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they they are actually Russian, if that's the case. So <laughs> right. you know, or Asian in some way. Yeah. Even even then, just if you came down through the the Bering Land Bridge mm-hmm. and, and through the ice free corridor, if that was your route or you came down and followed, you know, kelp flows or something like that on your little raft coming down around Canada and and Alaska Mm -hmm. there. It would have taken decades. I mean just decades. Mm -hmm. Unless you had a mission and you were going somewhere, but they wouldn't have. There wouldn't have a reason for that. There would
0: have been no way that they would have known where they were going. They were just following game, following water, following some kind of resource. Yeah. Maybe just better weather, honestly. (laughs) Like who knows? But yeah, that's that's how that happened. And that's why it's so important. Like yeah, it's really great that this is a super old site in Western North America, Mm -hmm. but it's so much more important to look at it in context with all of the old sites in North America, because up in Alaska and Canada too, I think there are sites that are older than this one. And what that is showing is that progression. Like you're talking of people coming down, you know, crossing over from Asia, from, you know, the Russia area into Alaska and then down through Canada and into North, into the rest of North America. And that, that context of all of those old sites together and seeing like oh this one up here is the oldest and then they mm-hmm. get newer as you move down that that bigger picture is what is really important for creating the image of how like the north america was peopled essentially so yeah. finding sites like this is just going to help you know add more to that picture as we go it's really great and good science too not just <laughs> like jumping to conclusions and saying oh i found an old thing and i think it's old Right. You know, like these guys have done such good science from what this press release, you know, says so far. And yeah. it's not peer reviewed yet, but I have a feeling that it is really going to stand up to that once it is ready to be published. So, I have no doubt. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the stuff they've published up to this point it's, has been exceptional. So. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's really yeah. great.
1: All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Hopefully we can get Dr. O'Grady on and you can get some firsthand quotes from the field season before <laughs> they even publish anything. Yeah, there you go. You know, maybe even before they put out some more press releases. Yep. So although that press release actually actually came out from the uh, BLM, I believe. Oh, yeah. And okay. they're, they're all hot mm-hmm. on, you know, hey, look what we're doing with your public mm-hmm. funds and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, so.
0: and I don't think we mentioned where this article is from.
1: Oh, yeah. This is the <laughs> our, Idaho Statesman Our favorite podcast. coming
0: in hot <laughs> Idaho <laughs> Statesman. I feel like we need to, like, find whoever's in charge of their their cultural articles because they do such yeah. a great job of covering all this stuff. It's I know. Awesome. It's crazy.
1: all right well thanks everybody and we will be back next week Bye. thanks for listening to the archaeology show feel free to comment and view the show notes on the website at www.arcpodnet.com find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at arcpodnet music for this show is called I Wish You Would Look from the band Sea Hero again thanks for listening and have an awesome day